how are you? I'm all right. Excited for you to hear this episode of the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. Inspiration for anyone sharing their thing on the internet. Did you or do you ever imagine yourself having a big job? I'm 45 and I've really only recently understood the impact of not seeing women in senior roles, especially when I was in my 20s and starting out at work. It just makes it very difficult to imagine it into your own ambitions. There's still room for many, many more. But our guest today, Katie Leeson, is that kind of boss. She is the managing director of Social Chain, the social media marketing agency that was founded by Stephen Bartlett and works with the biggest brands like Coke, Boohoo, Superdry to basically make sure their content's good enough to cut through the noise. Reality is you're, you're competing against life. You're not just competing against your competitor on social. You're competing against those Tinder swipes. You're competing against the emails. You're competing against cat memes. You're competing against the Instagram models. There's so much that you've got to consider that if you're not thinking about what value can I add to my audience and my potential audience, you're never going to win on social. Katie's an impressive marketer, no doubt. But as she grows, her personal brand has become a force for change too, for more openness on social about the crappier things in life, an advocate for de-glossing our accounts, for taking control of what we see when we're online. And she's all about changing what it means to be a boss on the outside, presenting a more truthful, fallible image of leadership. We chat about learning to get comfortable with putting yourself out there, talking about topics like miscarriage on LinkedIn and TikTok and the future of social posting. First, though, I asked her what her day job is all about. Do you know what? It differs every single day. So I've been with the company coming up to five years now. In that time, my role has changed quite a lot as the business has changed really so right now the things that I'm doing I've I've been in a client meeting this morning trying to help them understand a little bit about the media side of what we do and then I've also been this afternoon to go and try and sort out our Christmas party venue because I'm a bit of a control freak and I want to be providing the party so I've been <laughs> sorting that out and then I've been in the office around some lovely dogs um yeah, and it's it's it differs really. Talking uh, a lot of it is around HR, people, culture side of things, um, trying to just create the best working environment, whether that's remotely or in the office for people um, to do their best work and and take away anything else that them that might be a bit of a distraction. So, a lot of it centered around that. What led you into this job? What got you into social media marketing? Well, it's it's so funny. So. Um, I've been in marketing for 16 years and just going before that though when I did my A-levels I didn't really know I, do you know what even when I was a child I never really knew what I wanted to do when I grew up um it wasn't that I thought I really want to be an MD one day it was nothing like that um but when I was doing my A-levels I had it in my head that I wanted to do journalism um and go in because I think I really just wanted to write for Heat magazine I just like reading the celebrity gossip titles but brutal honesty I can't write very well I'm not a great writer so I don't know why I thought that would be a great career path for me um but I failed my levels so I didn't get the grades that I needed to get onto the course and I went through clearing and a course that was offered to me at Liverpool John Moores was media and cultural studies 
and I took it. I looked at it and I thought, this is this sounds really interesting. I'll I'll take it and see. And I've never looked back, honestly. It's opened my eyes to a whole world of opportunities and careers that I never knew existed. I didn't know that there was this world of people who were working behind the scenes of adverts. Um, and, and after graduating, I went and joined a media agency in Manchester um, on their grad scheme. Um, and I did that for five years, um, moving up as I went buying press radio and outdoor ads so I still got close to Heat magazine um, just in a different way and um, loved it absolutely loved every single minute of it loved getting up in the morning loved the work I was doing loved the company the people Um, I was so happy but it got to the point where I could kind of do the job with the clients there was no sort of growth and I said and I always liken it to comfy slippers I felt like I had my comfy slippers on and and it was at that point that I needed to learn something differently and I moved to a bigger agency to do the same thing but just with different clients and different opportunities. So I did that for a little while and then I actually reached out to a new business client when I was at, at Mediacom and, and told them about a magazine update and it actually led to them winning the account and that then gave me an opportunity to move into marketing and new business um, for an agency. And if you've ever worked in marketing or new business for an agency, it's probably one of the hardest jobs because it's like herding cats. Everyone's got their own job to do, but when a pitch comes in and you're asking them to do stuff over and above the job they've got to do and there's deadlines and people don't answer answer you, it was incredibly... um, I I think I probably put pressure on myself, but I, I found it really quite stressful um but the benefit I got out of it was my boss opened my eyes to the commercial running of the company so I got to see how the commercials were done I saw all the contracts I got to understand a little bit about how the business made money but I always knew that I didn't have digital knowledge in my armor and the world was moving in that way if you think five years ago I was probably a little bit behind um and social changes popped up out of nowhere. It was really bizarre. I think Steve, Stephen Bartlett started following me on Twitter um, and they'd done some quite cool outdoor disruptive campaigns in Manchester. So just had a conversation with him, met some of the leadership team. And to my surprise, they offered me an op- operations director role, um, which I took, not really knowing what, I was gonna, what it was going to be like. Just walked into the most incredible place with the most creative minds but really young people with massive amounts of enthusiasm and a culture that they creative created that was so special within about six months of being there bearing in mind I knew nothing about social media marketing they made me managing director which threw me it completely I can't lie it properly threw me because I always thought like I don't know enough about this to be able to to lead here we are five years on still going <laughs> say yes then learn say yes then learn <laughs> yeah. so every move has been about learning and since looking back and now doing a lot of work on my values I now know that value one of my values is learning and I have to constantly be learning something to feel like fulfilled in whatever I'm doing what makes you good at marketing do you think digital or off digital 
I'm curious about people mm. I, and I love creativity. I think um, some of the best things you see now on social or even recently are the things that really tap into culture and how people are feeling. So all of the Squid Games content that you're seeing around, I saw a brilliant piece of content from a debt a financial debt management company who were offering advice to people, but they did it through creating the Squid Games card. And it was ju- just smart stuff that gets people thinking. Um, I think it probably started from loving TV ads when I was younger and I used to love the tango ads. <laughs> there was just so many iconic ads. And um, yeah, I think it's just that, being able to tap into culture and be re- really creative for brands is, I think, what's always attracted me to it. I was like snooping around on your LinkedIn for a minute and I read the social chain like blurb mission statement thingy and there's just this little part of it that I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, and it says that you are working to build brands that earn a meaningful share of people's lives. And I love that word earn because... I think, I mean, I work with different kind of businesses, small businesses and own boss businesses, but until the light switches on when people realise that they don't have any (laughs) right to occupy anybody else's time and they have to earn their attention through, whether it's just like being on it, being talking about Squid Game or, or being really valuable or whatever it is, is that a lot of it for you? Completely. I think I'll throw some stats at you about how much we are actually bombarded. I think we're hit with about 4,000 advertising messages a day. And that's before you even start to look at all the other stuff that goes on online in, in a day and even in a minute. I think there are billions of emails sent in an internet minute. Um, I think it's like 1.2 million Tinder swipes in a minute, as well as everything else. And you're expecting your content to work if you're not, like, just by just putting it out there, taking a piece of TV ad and putting it on social and expecting it to get you the business results that you want. Reality is you're, you're competing against life. You're not just competing against your competitor on social. You're competing against those Tinder swipes. You're competing against the emails. You're competing against cat memes. You're competing against the Instagram models. There's so much that you've got to consider that if you're not thinking about what value can I add to my audience and my potential audience you're never going to win on social I've already conceded defeat to the cats do you think it's the same for pretty much any kind of business whatever size they are really it's essentially the same thing that you're trying to do exactly the same does it come with your job that you need or are expected to run your own online profile or would you be doing it anyway do you think I was really reluctant to build a personal brand. Um, Like I said at the beginning when I talked about my journey, I never expected to be in this position. And it took me a long time to feel comfortable that I had authority to be able to talk without feeling like I was going to get found out. And um, whether you... There's a lot of talk about whether imposter syndrome is something that's holding women back or... But I, I definitely have that feeling of being a fraud at times. Um, still comes up now. So it took a lot for me to start talking more publicly about things. The shift really came, though, because Stephen Bartlett has just created... I think he's probably, like, the master of personal brand. And he's created something incredible and... He was really smart in knowing that I didn't want to do it. I refused to be in any of the background of his blogs when he was filming when I first started. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, But he set it as one of my KPIs. (laughs) That answers my question. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I probably wouldn't be doing it. If I... <laughs> no, I, did, I wouldn't. And he did. He said it. It's my KPIs. Have and you I was come, like, have you come round to the idea? The difference really now is the the impact that I can see from me talking publicly about some of the things that I had. And there's been some, there's been a couple of really pivotal moments for me that have made me want to continue to do it. The first one was when I first started talking openly about imposter syndrome and feeling like, I don't know why I'm in this role and how do I deal with it? And the feedback that I got from other women in in just starting out their career or feeling like they wanted to change and listening to me talk about it and then them going on and getting a job that they really wanted was a massive moment and things that really spurred me on to feel like right okay I have authority to talk about this and actually it's having some good rather than it just being me talking without any sort of help for anyone else um and then also I talk really openly about um a miscarriage that I had three coming up to three years ago um and that again was the the thing for me there was I know now that that episode is still out there for when someone goes through that and needs the support and no one was really talking about it openly at the time and it is a business impact I remember putting it on LinkedIn and I had some backlash from from old men I'm not gonna lie it was like middle-aged to old men asking why I was talking about this subject on LinkedIn and um and and I went back and I said, well, why wouldn't I? It's something that impacts me in my job. But also it was with alongside the charity, the Miscarriage Association. And I said, I'm, I'm also promoting the benefits of what the Miscarriage Association do. Why would I not talk about that on LinkedIn? And I think there's been a shift since then um, where I'm allowed to open up and talk a little bit more. But the driver really is for me is how can I help by being open and honest I have heard you talk about your miscarriage on your your podcast I shouldn't say this but can you tell us it's great by the way thank you try it once you've finished this episode (laughs) talk us through that I shouldn't say this but what's the concept yeah so I started by doing obviously when Steve set my KPIs of doing personal brand I was like how am I going to do this in a way that feels authentic and also is a good use of my time because we're busy if doing day jobs as well it's really hard I started writing LinkedIn articles but like I said at the beginning I'm not a great writer um, and then found it more of a challenge and a frustration to do that so looked at starting a podcast and couldn't think of a title and was thinking what should we call it what should we do with it um, and I was thinking about the way that I talked about um, imposter syndrome and starting to open up a bit about my own mental health and seeing a therapist and I couldn't think of a, word, a title for it, but I actually went went for a wee and then that's when the title came to me while I was having a wee. <laughs> just great thought moments. Yeah. Last week I was on the loo and I was reflecting, I was like, how, like, have, like what happens if Instagram falls down tomorrow for me in my business after the outage? And, and I was like, this this is a great thoughtful moment for me. I really need to consider this stuff. So don't, don't knock it until you try oh. It was great and it was that spark of inspiration. But the whole premise of the podcast is uh, someone in a position of um, like leadership within a company that's so well known, talking openly and honestly about things that that do actually happen and still happen to a leader and and just leading with that front and then any guests that come on also share their admissions, um, which is just 
just highlighting the fact that we're all human and relatable content, I think. Um, and I've got an incredible community that I've built off the back of it that's very positive, very supportive. Yeah, I love it. I love the podcast. I'm so proud of it. It's such a great format for uh, proper conversations. And I think because it feels quite intimate, you can open up more, even though it goes out there into the world and then people, it belongs to other people. Women in tech women in tech leadership maybe I'm more referring to how are you seeing that change from the inside or not I am I, it's, it's difficult my lot of my time is taken up with spinning a lot of plates on social chain and then also trying to do my own personal brand but yes I think me talking about it more openly is helping shift a change one of the things I always say is you can't be what you can't see and part of that is because I really struggled to see visions of where I could get to when I started my career because there weren't really any women to look up to but there's some incredible females now running agencies that are really talking quite openly um, on social Carrie Rose from Rise at Seven is one of those if you've not seen her um, incredibly enthusiastic and driven um, and her agency's just been it just been awarded the drum agency of the year um so there's some brilliant voices out there and incredible talent. Um, and I've actually just joined a um, as a non-exec on the board for a tech values company because I really wanted to kind of lift the lid a little bit on women in tech because even though social is tech, it's still marketing. And I wanted to really try and understand that world as well. So I'm trying to infiltrate in different ways so I can share a bit of my own knowledge in those areas as well. You post a lot about anti-hustle and uh, anti-burnout maybe uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, messages about not over-glamorising excessively hard work. But when I think about somewhere like Social Chain, I imagine there are people there who just would quite happily sleep on the floor and they get up again in the morning. That's what I was like when I was in my 20s. Is it possible, is it possible to do what you have done, to have the role that you've got without a bit of that kind of working long hours I think for me I'm I talk about it from a place of experience so when I was doing that new business and marketing role I put so much pressure on myself to do everything that I actually made myself poorly and I was really struggling with migraines every day um and it got to the point where I couldn't continue and I had all the tests and they tested to see if I'd had a stroke it was really quite scary um but actually the thing it came down to was stress and it was down to me putting too much pressure on myself and not feeling like I had the support around me and that's part of the reason that I talk so openly about things and try and put a lot of my focus into culture because I don't want anyone to go through what I went through because it was just it was a really tough um probably about maybe even a year it was a long time of me not knowing why I was feeling the way I was feeling so the and then the other side of it is you see a lot on social there's a difference I think between doing something you're passionate about and putting quite a few hours into it because you're passionate about something with an end goal that then you can take downtime afterwards versus actually on social just absolute fake content where you're showing that you're up at whatever time in the morning writing emails when the reality is that you're sleeping until lunchtime but people don't see that because you're promoting this hustle culture that isn't 
it's not good for anyone. And that's why I talk about glamorizing it because I think it became, um, at the point when I was writing about it, this sort of status symbol to be trying to really work yourself into the ground. But actually that wasn't the reality, which is kind of what social does. It shows you bits that people want you to see. And I wanted to lift the lid on that a little bit because I do think there's the balance and I do think you get better work out of people if they've had the rest and the time. How are your boundaries now? How do you set them up? I'm probably do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always. No, I'm, yeah, I'm better than I was. Um, I, I mean, I don't email people outside of hours and if there's something that's really in my head, I'll do the schedule send which is probably the best trick that I've ever found because then it's off my head and I don't keep thinking about it, which often causes me more stress than actually getting in and doing it. But you're not it. putting it on someone else to get it off I'm your plate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they will receive it in normal working hours. Um, so that's an absolute godsend for me. And also just building a team around me that are really good at what they do has really helped me to create boundaries um, that gives me a bit of time back. Um but yeah, I mean, we work hard, but we also play hard and we, we look after people as much as we can. I want to talk to you a little bit about Instagram, Facebook, maybe. You're on Instagram. Um, they've had, they're having a gross time. It's yeah. like, it's not, it's not, it's not a great look at the moment. They, the whole thing fell over last week. There's, you know, there's a big moral question hanging over a lot of what they do. Um, how, how do you feel about the platforms yeah it was nice I quite enjoyed it because you couldn't be reached at all because your whatsapp went down as well I've thought long and hard about this and I've done a few talks to young um people to teenagers about social media and because there's so much narrative about the damage that it can do but actually 95% of people who are online use social and it's not going to change so I don't think it's, there's a great quote that I always talk about when I do these talks. It's not about how much or how you do social media. It's it, it's not about how much you use social media. It's how you do it because it's not going to go anywhere. So for me, I think it's about there being better education around the realities of it. And let's be honest, we create our own worlds on social so what I see on Instagram will be very different to what you see. And when it comes to comparison culture and these young girls looking at pictures of skinny models, unfortunately, they're creating that reality because the algorithm doesn't know that it's something negative. They just think that they, they want to see more of it. And for me, it goes... I mean, yes, it should be something that the platforms educate people on, but I also think it's down to people like me who work in it to help educate that there is a better way of using it. And actually, it can be an incredibly supportive place. Um, my brother uh, came out to me as non-binary about two years ago, and the network that he's managed to build on social through finding people who are going through something similar is just incredible and you don't talk people don't talk about that they talk about the bad side of it and yes there are bad, bad sides to everything aren't there but I don't think there's enough people talking about how to do it properly and the loudest voices on this topic are the kind of big 
trad media agencies really that the news is where we hear a lot of this stuff about uh instagram or facebook and the negative sides of it and you know it's no there's no doubt that they are there but also those guys have got an interest in Mm. in moving us away they're not going to but in attempting to discredit or chip away at the credibility of the social media platforms as well and yeah you can can learn so much there as well oh my god it allowed me to restart my career from 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 nothing you know from nothing nothing I had no network at all and now Mm. I have a great business and that was all because I could get onto a free social media platform from my house with wi-fi that's all I needed it's incredible and it gets a really bad name yes it's there's bad things but we should be shouting louder about the good things and one of the things that I really like to push is people knowing their values because I think if you know your values you can then really follow accounts that fit those values so understanding that you like like I said earlier one of mine is learn yeah what are yours what are your values learning yeah so my values are learn Mm -hmm. care uh, achievement. I'm the daughter of two teachers, so I was never going to escape that one. And um, also fun. I have to be a bit silly. There's got to be a bit of fun in there. Um, so yeah, they're my four. So if I know that, and then I can start to follow accounts that are similar, or will give me some of those feelings on my values and put that fire in my belly and give me a bit of that satisfaction, my the algorithm will reward me for it and I'll get more of it. So I think it's really important for young people to know, actually, that unlocking your own values can actually help you with your... It'll stop you comparing because you know that you're on your own path. And also it'll help you have a more positive social media experience. Very cool. Where do you see it all going, Katie? What do you think we're going to be focused on? Are you driving people towards TikTok constantly Mm. at the moment? What's your feeling on where we are going to be sending our messages, how we're going to be sending our messages out into the world in future oh i absolutely love tiktok i I just think why Why is it so because do you know what i don't spend a lot of time on this so i don't think i really understand the language i think you i think you almost have to get on there and and like learn the language what do you what why is it so why is it connecting so well a couple of things around tiktok that i find incredibly exciting the briefs that we're getting in now from clients are mainly around tiktok there's there's very few um A lot of the new business that's coming in is how do we use TikTok better or how do we launch on TikTok? And the thing for me about TikTok is it's, there's a couple of areas with it. For me, it's quite positive space because it's people creating content and dancing or also sharing and educating. There's a huge stream on TikTok called Learn With TikTok and that is teaching people how to use Excel. It's teaching money management, how to get their mortgage you wouldn't get that anywhere else you don't get that in any other channel um but also on the flip side of it you've got young people now who i am who are going to be my next round of recruitment talent because they know how to create content on their channels using their phones and edit it and add music over the top and add their text onto it and create these pieces of content that brands also want to be doing so it's a great talent pool for me and how I want to build the business out in terms of creative as well. Um, because you can find amazing people on there. Um, but it, it, 
it gets you though. The algorithm is very good. Once you're in there, you're in there for a good couple of hours because it's just it's entertainment. So you're in it. You just like because well, yeah. I, I mean I I spend a lot of time in Instagram and even even the reels content, which is nothing compared to what there is on TikTok. But I'm just like, oh my god, the dancing people are back. But I'm just I'm going to have to watch it. And then five minutes has gone past, and it is joyful, pointlessly utterly pointlessly joyful would you say tiktoks should be for everyone everyone should be considering it or do you advise clients people to stay where you feel your customer base is how do you balance that up the need to do should we always be going to the next thing the next platform um i think well there's obviously always a first mover advantage to getting on platforms early because you can grow your following quicker um but it all depends where you pe- where your audience is there's no point in going on tiktok if your audience is aren't there however there is a misconception that tiktok is just young kids on there it is now started growing (laughs) really really quickly um with older age groups and there is a huge opportunity for brands on there to do things differently but again it goes back to what i was saying about using social in the right way you can't just take your instagram content and put it onto tiktok because it will never work. Um, you have to, and there's a completely different way of using it. So it's not like you put a post up and then it goes up in chronological order. It, it, it there's different ways of doing it, but it goes back to any sort of marketing. You need to be where your audience are, and you need to talk to them in the right way. That'll do me. Thank you so much. Oh, amazing! Thank you so much for having me. So. So we'll keep considering TikTok, won't we? I do flirt with the idea of getting on there, do you? It's not just for the young ones. And nor are the points that Katie made about influencing what you see on your own social accounts by proactively engaging with the kind of posts you want to see more of. Also, if you're the kind of person who doesn't find sharing yourself on social easy, I think it's really nice to hear from someone in such a high profile position who feels the same. And that by focusing on sharing what's important to her, Katie's found more of an ease with that. What are your values? Post about that stuff. Okie doke. We are a few episodes away from the end of season two. Thank you for every bloody listen so far. If you'd like others to find the show, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. I'll see you next time. Bye.